to the Novel Universe with Dawn and Ashley, book club buddies who love to read YA fiction. We'll discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and oh my gosh, we need to talk about this right now. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab something sweet or salty and join our universe. and welcome back to the novel universe with your host Dawn and Ashley. Uh, we are going to be rating and discussing Chain of Gold by Cassandra Clare, but first we are going to do a mid-year freakout tag that was started by Ellie and Cami. Those are booktubers. Uh, we might be a little early, but you know, it's almost mid-year. So we're just going to do it today, possibly because our chain of gold discussion might be a little shorter than normal. And Ashley's joining us now. Hello. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me now? Hi. (laughs) Take two. Malfunctions. (laughs) So were you just, were you just talking? I I was, I don't know what was happening, but I was like, hello, 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 hello. I think it just might have been a silly connection or something. Yeah. All right. So we are going to, let's start with the mid-year freakout tag. And then we can go into our discussion of Pain of Gold. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So if you're not familiar with the mid-year freakout tag, I can hear me in your background, by the way. I don't know what that means, but. Oh, no. (laughs) We are just having all the problems today. <laughs> I, like, I can't hear me in your background. <laughs> um, okay. Um, that's never happened let's, before. I was like, what is that? Let's, let's adjust one second. <laughs> okay. I can edit all this out, so that's okay. fine. Can you, how's that? Is that better? All right. I'll, I'll talk again and see if I can hear it. No, I don't hear it. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So we're going to start with, we're going to, okay. We're going to start with the mid-year freakout tag. Uh, This tag was started by booktubers Ellie and Cammie, as I have my mail chiming in the background. Sorry. Uh, This is basically a book tag that you do mid-year where you kind of catch up with all the books that you have read. There are 13 questions. So let's get started. And the first question is, Best book you've read so far? Ashley, why don't you go first? Okay, so the best book for me, um, it was a kind of a tricky one because I did have like, I think two or three that I gave like above a four point rating. Um, So, but I decided on Fable by Adrienne Young. That has to be my my best book so far. Okay, so if I have to choose YA, um, I'm going to go with As the Shadow Rises, which is book two, and There Will Come a Darkness by Katie Rose Poole. I gave that a four and a half. But if I'm doing, like, I try to stay with YA because this podcast is, like, mostly, well, it's all YA for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. But I technically, I gave The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison a five. But that's also an old book, too. So I'm just going to go with As the Shadow Rises. Okay. Nice. <laughs> okay, so question two is... Best sequel you've read so far in 2020? Um, My best sequel for me, and I know that the first book came out last year, but the second book came out this year uh, would be the Aurora Rising series. Um, 
So you read the second book already? I'm like midway through. And if I had to say yes, like it would be that sequel in particular. I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. All right. I hate repeating because that's no fun. And so I'm going to have to repeat as the shadow rises because it is book two. But Mm -hmm. um, I would agree with you. Aurora Burning would be a very close second. Well, not very close, but a close second. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Question three, new release you haven't read but want to. Hi. So for me, the one that I am really looking forward to is um, Robin LaFear's um, second book, The Igniting Darkness. I really enjoyed the first series, which was the, the His Fair Assassins like trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I read Courting Darkness, so I'm super excited to read the second book. Technically, that's not a new release. It isn't published yet. I think it means books that have already been published. Yeah. Oh, it's it's coming this year. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't put anything. Um, I, right now, I'm blowing through about six to nine books a month. And so I'm pretty much keeping up with everything. So nothing. I've read everything I've wanted to read so far. Unless someone has some kind of amazing book that I missed. Like this one, like Chain of Gold. I had no plans on reading this book. But... Mm -hmm. And this was published in March. So, yeah, nothing for me. Okay. Um, okay, so most anticipated release for the second half of the year. What did you have? Um, if it comes out, I, it doesn't even have a title or a cover, but it will be book two in the Dreamer series by Maggie Stiefvater. Um, I'm shocked that this would be coming out so soon because the first book came out in 2019, the end of 2019. I don't think she writes that fast. So, um, but yeah, but if that one doesn't come out in November, then it would be Igniting Darkness, which is what you chose for the previous one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for me, I have, um, I I, I went back and forth between two because like I am excited to read, um, Midnight Sun, because I'm all for, like, the Bay's point of view type of a thing. <laughs> um, but my other one was Blood and Honey, which is the serpent, the second book of the Serpent and Dove series. And okay. that comes out, I believe, September. Biggest disappointment of the year. <laughs> my, I wonder if my we have the do we have the same one? <laughs> I wonder if we do. On the count of three. Count of three we're going to say. Ready? One, two, three. Betrothed. The betrothed. <laughs> terrible. Oh. Yeah. We did a podcast, a thorough podcast on that. So you can like listen to, uh, go through our archives. Uh, but yeah, I, I was disappointed because I wasn't expecting um, an award-winning novel, but I was expecting the enjoyment I had of reading uh, the selection and I just felt like she phoned it in. Mm-hmm. I, I agree 110%. Like I, I will have to retire that author for a little bit. <laughs> As Don says, retiring their Jersey, their Jersey, <laughs> putting it back up on the shelf. Yes. <laughs> yep. Okay. So biggest surprise. What did you have? First, okay, I chose yeah. the ballad of songbirds and snakes. I, you know, just like everybody else, I was like, woohoo, new book. And then it was like snow, and I was like, ew. And then we read it like we 
read it pretty quickly, but most people had already had it read by Thursday mm-hmm. of that week that it came out. And so therefore we were a little bit late to the party. So I was really worried. Everybody gave it a really low rating, but I actually, I liked it after we really like picked it apart. I, I didn't hate it. I, I gave it a, we gave it a four. So, you know, that was a surprise for me. Yeah, no, that, that was mine as well, because I wasn't expecting to like it as much as they did. Um, and then, you know, as we discussed it in our last podcast, I was like, wow, there's, there's a lot to say. And I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying the discussion. Like it was a great discussion book, which I was not expecting. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right. number seven, new favorite author. Um, I, once again, this is not YA, but I couldn't find any YA books on my list. So I'm going to go with N.K. Jemisin. I knew of her, but I wasn't reading adult fantasy at the time. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not going to finish this series, the fifth season, the obelisk gate and the stone sky, because I'm just not mentally prepared for that world. It's, it's too dense. I can't do it, but I'm going to start her a new series by her. So yeah, that's my choice. Sounds exciting. I might join you there. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So for me, my new favorite author would be um, Isabel Adinez. She wrote the Woven in the Moonlight um, novel that we read. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was I was thoroughly surprised with her um, and it being a, her debut novel. It was most excellent. I thought of that one too, but but I agree. Yeah. All right. Newest fictional crush. Who you got? Ooh. Ooh. So I have two because I couldn't decide. I was trying to keep this strictly to books that I have read this year, not and not rereads. Because you know me, I like some rereads. Yeah. Um so mm-hmm. my newest fix, fictional crush, I had two. So my first one was Hunt um from Crescent City, because I love hot angels. I mean I do. <laughs> Go ahead, you should put that up. on a shirt. <laughs> put I that on a shirt. I love my angels. I'm going to make that shirt for you. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> and I'm going to put on yours. You love a good villain. So. Okay. There you go. All right. So my second one was just Blackthorn um, from the Chain of Gold series that we just read. Really? More of him. Yes. Wow. And not, and not your average... Uh, you know, Herondale lover of that whole entire series that she has going on. I wanted some more of him. I was really intrigued with him. So I was like, all right. Mm. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So tell me yours. Mine is Matthew Fairchild. I <gasps> liked him the most. Um, I like, yeah, I like a mysterious character. I'm not going to get into it because we're going to get into the review and we can get into it more there. But yeah, I really like Matthew Fairchild. That's who I'm going with. He was my he was my third option. <laughs> I couldn't yep. decide. I couldn't decide. <laughs> um, okay. Newest favorite character. I chose Sid from Midnight Lie by Marie Rudkowski. Uh, I know you didn't read it. I know you're like on the fence. Uh, I, I wish you would read it. It's but okay. <laughs> uh she was a new character in this world and I liked her far better than the main character which probably shouldn't happen but 
Yeah, it, I am going to read the next book because I'm hoping that we go to her country and her see her parents and her land and everything. So yeah, that's my choice. Okay. Um, for mine, it would be Alex Stern from the Ninth House by Leah Lee Bardugo. Okay. Yeah, I was okay. all about her. All about her. <laughs> if this was last year's mid-year freak out, I would have chosen that. But you read this book this year and I didn't. I, I did. read it last year. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I, and I read it in January, so <laughs> it counts. Yeah. It does count. Um, okay. a book that made you cry. Okay. So uh, I and I chose like a literal crying, not like I'm disappointed crying. Um mm-hmm. And it was in Crescent City when her pixie friend dies. Oh, okay. Do you remember? Like, oh my yeah. gosh, I was like so sad. I was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I also chose like literal tears. Mm-hmm. And I chose The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I I kind of said this in my podcast and in my review. I was I was a little tipsy while I was reading this book. I do not know why I chose to drink. <laughs> and read and I was reading I wasn't listening I was reading to it obviously because it's not published yet so it's not an audiobook yet but there <laughs> is one moment and for those of you who have read the book it's the scene with Remy and for a good 30 minutes sobbing like a freaking <laughs> idiot it was embarrassing <laughs> oh no <laughs> so here is some life lesson for you friends don't drink while reading sad stories because yeah because mm. mm. yeah, mm. <laughs> um okay so book that made you happy um once again I really couldn't find a YA book so I chose the last wish which is the first was just the short stories in the Witcher series. And that made me happy because, you know, we, Ashley and I have seen the show, um, but the book, the show left out the fact that the stories were based on fairy tales. And so when I read it in the short story book, I was like, what? And I, I love fairy tales. I know most of the grim tales, I, I love them. And so when that starts to become a realization for me, it really made me happy, especially Renfrey story. So- I choose that book. Mm-hmm. No, I, I have to second you on that one as well, because it was something new. It's not a normal uh, genre that you and I read in a, a, adult world, you know, adult books. So it's it was exciting because uh, Don and I binge watched <laughs> um, The Witcher on Netflix. So I think I would have to agree with you there on the book because I was just really excited about um the different uh, fairy tale stories within the, the book itself. Yeah, and what's what made it even more surprising is that it's coming from a man. You wouldn't yes. think a man would base his very mature, serious book on fairy tales. Bizarre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I loved it. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know how you interpreted this one, but most beautiful book. How did you interpret that? I did the cover because I'm all about a good cover. Okay. That's how I interpreted it. How did you interpret it? Same. Okay. Um, so mine was Fable from Adrian Young. I just, I just thought it was so beautiful. Such a beautiful cover. Yeah, I recall us talking about that cover in our podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> for yep. a while. Actually, uh, I a good chose, cover. 
Oh, yes. I, I like people on covers of books. I know some people don't like that. They don't like a real person on the cover. I prefer a real person on the cover because it kind of helps me visualize what the character looks like. Mm-hmm. Because I, apparently I have no imagination. I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> So my choice was Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson. Um, on the cover of the book, it's got a bright yellow cover and the girl on the cover is dark skin, dark skin black girl with what the people in the black community call a TWA, which stands for teeny weeny Afro. And she has really big door knocker earrings. And you really don't see as someone as myself who purchases teen fiction for my library, um, very rarely do you see a black girls on the cover, but dark-skinned girls on the cover. I can probably count on one hand how many darker-skinned girls that are like my color and darker that are on the cover of books and also have a very short natural haircut. So I thought it was a beautiful cover. Amen to that one. (laughs) Okay, so what books do you need to read by the end of the year? Okay, I have to pull up my Goodreads because I was not writing all these books down. And, all right, um, well, Midnight Sun, obviously, mm-hmm. got to read that, even though I was not Team Edward. What, what were you? Were you Team Edward or Team Jacob? Oh, I was 100% Team Edward. So. Oh, no, I like Jacob better. That's so right. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was Jacob for a little bit, for a little bit, but Edward yeah. always. Yeah. I want to read Burn by Patrick Ness. I think that's already out. So I probably could have put that for a book that I haven't read that that I need to. Prelude for Lost Souls by Helene Dunbar. She might be a debut. Never heard of her. Queen of Coin and Whispers by Helene Corcoran. The Captive Kingdom, which is book four in the False Prince series by Jennifer Nielsen. I didn't know there was going to be a book four. She probably didn't either. She's one of those that's writing. It's continuing a series that she was very popular that she already wrote. Um, Seven Devils by Laura Lamb Burn Our Bodies Down by Rory Power A Deadly Education by Naomi Novak what did she write Uprooted I didn't like the story Uprooted I didn't mind her writing style so I'm going to give this author another shot and finally Kingdom of the Wicked by Mary Maniscalco I I also couldn't get through the rest of her series um I think I'm more attracted to her imagination, not so much her writing style. She wrote Stalking Jack the Ripper and all those books. Um, so I'm going to give her another shot. If I don't like this one, I'm going to have to retire her jersey. Oh, Sorry, I know you love her. I do like her, and I actually did power through all of her books in the Stalking Jack the Ripper series. So that is definitely one of my want to read um, by the end of the year. I also want to read... Um, Roshni Chaksi's Chashki. Roshni Chaksi. Chaksi. Okay. Like that last name, I can, mm, it's like a tongue twister every single time. Yeah. But I want to read the sequel um, to the Gilded Wolves, which is the Silvered Serpents. And that comes out later this year. Um, just because I just got immersed into her star-touched queen world and um i have red gilded wolves so i'm really excited about um the second novel um who is another one because i definitely wrote a couple other ones down i mean i did talk about blood and honey um and i think just wanting to read uh newer authors i guess is like another uh 
thing for me on books that I want to read by the end of the year because I'm just trying to branch out of my norm of regular authors that I read. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that is the mid-year freakout tag. And I will put in the show notes when, like, everything starts so that you know. Uh, so we are now going to get into the spoiler-free edition of Chain of Gold by Cassandra Clare. All right, Ash, what did you give it? Okay, so <laughs> I, okay, <laughs> this was oh, not no. a five. This was not okay. a five, I think. Um, I did give it a four um, because I did power through this book quite quickly, which I did not think I was going to do um, because I have not read The Infernal Devices. I've read The Moral Instruments uh, series and... I thought yeah. you said you read Infernal Devices. Girl, no. Mm-mm. So I had oh to go back God. and I'm like, oh my gosh. So like, which we can talk about this late, later just oh in God. where this book lines up in the series. It is yeah. nowhere near where I started. <laughs> so I thought you I read it already. Okay. Girl, uh-uh. Um, so I have to go back and read those. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I also gave it a four. Okay. Um, I read the Infernal Devices. I loved, I don't think I gave them any lower than a four and a half. I gave mm-hmm. the second book in that series, which is Will Herondale's story, a perfect five, because he's one of my favorite male characters of all time. So, yeah, and I was going to say to the listeners, like, if you're thinking about reading this book, you you really need to read the Infernal Devices first. Like, just to get yourself some background of the families and everything. Cause I mean, you can, you can power through like you did and like, just get the wiki out and mm-hmm. carefully read the wiki because it, it there are some spoiler mind minefields in there. So yep. even yes, I was very careful with the wiki and I read the infernal devices. So uh, I, I would, I would recommend that you read those first before you read this book. Yeah, because, I mean, she has, like, a humongous family tree, you know, of of everyone and who's all related to who and who's their children and who they end up marrying. And just so you know, you definitely want to finish the book first before you look at it. If you are going to just start cold turkey in, which you kind of can to an extent, like, because she talks about, you know, the other past uh characters meaning will test gem you know all of all of them and how they're all connected and the car steers and the Fairchilds and all the stuff getting engaged whatever um and the blackthorn so it's like you you can but it does become very mucky in the first like 100 pages because I was like I have no idea who these people are <laughs> so I just yeah. decided to just stay with the main characters meaning like uh, you know, Matthew and James and Cordelia and Lucy and Anna and all Thomas and Christopher, all, all of them. I just kind of was like, I'm just going to focus on them right now because I know that the series is going to be potentially more about them, which it, it is, but their parents are definitely intermixed in all of this as well. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, why don't we get into our dislikes? Oh, okay. Uh, 
I can go first if you would like. Okay. My f- go ahead. My first dislike is there are so many freaking characters. There are so <laughs> many backstories. And oh dear lord, like you cannot say this is the start of a new series when I have to know like 20 other people. At least. Because even Magnus Bane comes into this story too. And he's got his own book. Yeah. You know? So I was like, I was a little lost to say the least I was more than likely probably very lost to start with but I kind of just was like okay I'm just gonna power through a little bit but it did did keep coming back so I as someone who did not read infernal devices and reading mortal instruments these are two different time periods and you really need to read it or else you will get lost but I feel like uh well I'll stop there I'll let you comment (laughs) Um, yes, like as we were just saying, you you really should like Cassandra Clare does this a lot. This is not my first Cassandra Clare rodeo. Um, she does really take time to familiarize um, a new reader with her world, and that sometimes can come across as info dumpy. But there is no other way to do that unless she's just like, look, you need to stop being a lazy ass and go back and read the other books. Like she could do that too, um, okay. but. As someone who did read The Infernal Devices, I totally had to go back to the wiki because I could not remember who the Blackburns, Blackthorn, whatever. I couldn't remember um, the Fairchilds. I couldn't remember any of them. They were just names that I kind of remembered, but I couldn't remember much of anything. And I read them when they first came out. So if you are new to The Infernal Devices, you'll be okay. But yeah, for someone who read it like five or six years ago, man, I was I was still lost, but not as bad as you because I was still kind of familiar with this um this world i didn't i only read like two of the mortal instruments i'll get into that a little bit later but okay yeah okay so my first dislike and i'm gonna be very vague because this is a spoiler is i did not like what matthew did or did not do and that's all i'm gonna say i'll let you Mm -hmm. go to your next one i'll explain the spoiler section Mm -hmm. for each sister that's one of my (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it bothered me it bothered me so much so that I had to lower my rating because of it so yes thank you uh, the, there were um okay my second part that I did not like is that there was there was no family tree within this book and I definitely think that if you're gonna if you're gonna pr- um publish a series and there's that many characters that are in your novel you need to have a freaking family tree Okay, or put question marks next to the people that they're supposed to be with, like for the next book. So it's not a spoiler, but I really needed a family tree and I really needed a map because this is back in, you know, later 1800s into the beginning of the 1900s and where we were at in London and then in Idris, like there is just these two different worlds. And I'm like, okay, should I be paying attention to the world? Is the world important? I know that there is like, the shadow, you know, realm that they can pop into, some of them, not all of them, you know. And so there's just a lot there that I felt like I missed out on. Okay. I guess that didn't bother me too much because I just would go back to the wiki. Um, I had, like I, t- I told Ashley, I had it bookmarked because I, yeah, mm-hmm. I had to keep going back. I didn't really need a map so much. Uh, as I needed uh, the family trees. I really needed the family mm-hmm. trees. <laughs> Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> my second dislike, which is also one of the reasons why I lower my rating, is um, if you read a book critically, one of the things that you kind of are trained to pick out are themes. And a book that is considered to be a real critical book will have multiple themes. But this book only really seemed to have one, which great that she has a theme, but a critical book would have more than one. So um, the only theme that I could pick out and we'll go into this in the um, likes more is the um, actually, no, I'm just going to keep it there. It only had one big theme and I'll get into the theme in the like section. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I did have an issue with the, with the plot because this is a very action driven novel. I mean, they're constantly fighting, um, demons, right? They're constantly like on the run, making sure that things are safe. But like the plot for me, there wasn't like a big, um, like climax of the story because it, it just, it what there wasn't a humongous buildup. So for me, I did feel like the plot kind of lacked there a little bit because it was, um, spending a lot of time on like getting to know all of these characters and all the things that, that are going on in like all of their triangles and whatever and all of their families, <laughs> you know. So it's like the plot for me lacked a little bit because it definitely was not a, I didn't feel like it was a super plot driven story. Um, I would agree. It's not one of my dislikes, but I would agree with you. Um, one thing I've noticed about Cassandra Clare's books, especially in the Infernal Devices, I don't really know so much about the Mortal Instruments. As I said I've only read two of those. Is that when you read a Cassandra Clare book, first of all, this is a fluff book, and it doesn't—that's not a bad thing, because, like I said, this is like one theme. It's not a real critical book; it's a fluff book. But anybody who reads a Cassandra Clare book knows that they're going to enjoy some great love triangles, some interesting relationships and some great character development. And the plot is like, nobody cares about the plot. They care about the relationships with everybody. At least that's how I feel. Like I knew going into this book, I knew that there was not going to be a plot and I really could care less about the whole plot. I didn't care about that. I wanted to go back to their, their, their angst and their love triangles and all that stuff. So that didn't bother me. I was actually happy that that was a subplot because I didn't really care. <laughs> yeah, well, it is like it's 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 a dislike as much as it is a like because I was quite immersed in the book, so it's not like it held me back at all. It was just something that I did note because of the different novels that we have been reading. I mean, there is like action-driven books, there's the plot-driven books, there's the character-driven books, and then there's ones that are just kind of like a hodgepodge of everything. Yeah, and that's what I felt like with this one, which is it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not my favorite, but it is also okay. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Like it, the this book had no plot really. It didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, okay. Do you have my last? Yeah, I only have one more, and okay. this is more of a nitpick. Um, I didn't like the stuff with Cordelia's dad, and that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. That's it. I'll get into um, it in the spoiler. <laughs> yeah no that's fine um so something that I didn't like was uh James and Cordelia's insta love from childhood that's what I'm going to say I had an okay. issue <laughs> um without giving too much because I mean 
there's there's a lot lot of that in there, and there's also that you know forced fake marriage trope type of a thing um, that is also like, do you like it? Do you not like it? So, all righty then. Mm-hmm. Those are all my dislikes. I didn't have any more. Okay, so then we'll move on to what did you like? Okay, so my biggest like is let me look at my notes here. I liked all the characters except for Chris. I he wasn't really in the story enough to be likable or dislikable. Um, he was just kind of an afterthought. But I really liked all of the characters. Um, I re- reading this novel. So there's four main guys, and they're called the Merry Thieves, and that's James, Matthew, Thomas, and Christopher. And then there's Lucy and um, Cordelia, and they're all this little Aunt Anna kind of sprinkled in there too. And Mm -hmm. I was like, at one point, I was like, oh my God, I really want to be their friend. They're such good friends. They love each other. They stand up for each other. I just, I I like their friendship. And that was probably my, one of my biggest likes. I do have another one that's pretty big, but that was my biggest one. I liked all the characters. Yeah, that was one of mine too. I think that that's why I was like so immersed in like everyone. Like I just, I kind of wanted a little bit of everybody and I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get more, you know, Thomas and more Christopher because I really enjoyed them as, as a band of friends. You know, they kind of remind, reminded me of, um, you know, like Robin Hood and like just having, you know, good old John, like helping him out and all this other stuff. And like, they kind of just feed off of each other. Um, and what they need. And um, I really enjoyed that because it's like, you know, how many times do you have friends like that? There are very few in a million people that you will have that type of connection with. So I really did like that. Um, I think another one that I really liked was the whole shadow hunter aspect. Like I'm, I am all for that type of world. I loved every minute of it. I loved the healing runes. I love um, that some of them can like see into the shadow realm um and I just I was like eating it up because I was like oh I love all the monsters and I love all this stuff let's just keep going yeah um kind of going back to the character thing I kind of missed one little thing is um Lucy I want to kind of talk about Lucy just a second I I think Lucy could was borderline not she wasn't borderline but I think the way Cassandra Clare wrote her she could have come across as really annoying but I think she really like told that line with Lucy um I liked at the very end when um Cordelia and James were talking and she just busted and was like I was listening I heard everything (laughs) and didn't even care I just loved her energy in the book. And what I wanted to say was, so we read The Betrothed and one of our biggest gripes was Hollis because Hollis was supposed to be kind of vapid, kind of not not very smart, but at the same time, she was supposed to be very strategic and, you know, all the things. But I think that uh, Kara Cass meant to write Lucy. Lucy is the Hollis that she was trying to write. Uh, Lucy was not vapid and she wasn't dumb, but she, but you know, she was very, she was a girly girl. She was very happy to see everybody. She brightened up the room. Everybody liked her for a good reason because she had a personality. Um, so I just kind of wanted to be like, this is the Hollis that we were looking for in Lucy. But another one of my likes is, um, 
Okay, so for someone who has read The Infernal Devices and The Mortal Instruments, I think what I discovered about myself is that I don't like urban fantasy. I also didn't like Crescent City. I like Crescent City by Sarah J. Mass, but I didn't like the urban fantasy part of it. And it's almost, I almost feel like whoever wrote The Mortal Instruments is different than the person who wrote The Infernal Devices. It's like two different writing styles. This, I felt like it was much more luxe and rich and beautiful it is set in victorian times and the dresses and the parties and it was just a beautifully written world their banter and it was just beautifully written as opposed to the immortal instruments i was like oh i can't i can't i don't i didn't like the writing and i think it's just because i don't like the genre so i prefer her historical quote-unquote historical fantasy over her urban fantasy yeah, I mean, and I, I totally agree with you there because the, I think that that's why the reason that was one of the reasons why I ate this book up so quickly because Mortal Instruments I felt like I had to like stop and restart a couple of times, and it was because of that, um, you know, type of world. I was just like, meh, I I don't really want to read that. Like, I want I want to take me back in time somewhere. Like, I'm 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 all for for that and do it well. Um. So that yeah, I, I think that that was great. Um, what was one of your likes? Another one of my likes is, I mean, I do agree with you about um, Lucy as a character. Like that was, that that was great. Like I loved her energy. I love the fact that she wasn't some dim-witted girl. Like she is smart as if, but she is also one of those people that's like very lighthearted and you can just like snuggle up to her and be like, I'm really comfortable with you because you're making me feel loved in this whole entire room, but yet you're not like idiot at the same time <laughs> mm-hmm. um so I had that feeling as well with um with Matthew like I I just I really liked his character um I liked that he had this like hidden backstory um about there there and we still don't know what's going on with him um but I am like I really did like him being, uh, what do you call, what, what were they called? Like pep, peppery, pep, pep trees, whatever. <laughs> a pear baton? A pear baton. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that they were chosen for he, for each other. Um, you know, him and James, I loved that you can feel that connection when there's like hurt being um, administered to the other person because you are that like bound to each other by like soul and spirit type of a thing. Um, and I liked that he was like that, that guy that would constantly be there to pick you up if something was going on, no matter what's going on in his heart. And you know, that, that we can't see, he's still just an overall good guy. Yeah, I agree. I kind of compare Matthew to the Infernal Devices, Will Harrendale, which is why I like Will so much, is that he's a, a very mysterious character. And you, we still don't know what his jam was, um, but he, you could tell he's hurting and you feel really bad for him. And But he loves all of his friends and will like risk his life for them. Um, but yeah, it's just the mysterious factor around Matthew that he was one of, well, he was my favorite character in this book. So. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the other really biggest thing I liked about this book is that, and I kind of talked about already, there's the four Mary Thieves and then Cordelia and Lucy. And I felt like they were evenly talented. 
they were evenly smart and evenly um, they could fight well. And at no time was there, you can't fight in that dress or you're a girl, you stay behind and I'll do it for you. Like it was none of that. Um, it, they were all on the same playing field. And I really appreciated that considering the time period. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that like, because um, Cassandra like spent so much time in talking about like the ways of women and men, like, in that time era, like, you know, you have to be asked to be like escorted on the dance floor. Like it's improper etiquette to, you know, leave a woman out there. It's improper etiquette to be alone with a man, like, and all of these things. But yet when it came to them as, you know, shadow hunters, like they were on even playing field the whole entire time, all of them. And I really did enjoy that because at no time was I like, oh man, we got this stupid damsel in distress thing going on again, Mm -hmm. you know, or this guy over here has all the power. Oh, he's the leader or this one's just the brains, like just all of these different things. Like, like I didn't feel like that was an issue with any of the characters. Like they were, they had each of their strong suits and like, that's what they were known for. And they utilized it 110% each and every time. Yeah, I I really liked that. I also liked the history behind Cordelia's sword, the Cortana. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like a a katana, which is like one of those um, swords, basically. (laughs) Like, it's like a sword (laughs) bat. So, but I really liked um, the history behind that because, like, I mean, she is the star of this book. um, And it's like when people have... um, certain attributes about them or devices that that are theirs like I want to know the backstory on that and I feel like she did a really good job of explaining like how she receives the sword versus her brother Alistair um and all of that like I thought that that was done very very well because it's almost like a lightsaber which was kind of cool to me yeah I heard yeah yeah it sounds awesome (laughs) yeah um, another thing I liked were the themes. Uh, I kind of talked about it in the, the dislike section, even though there was only one theme, which I think is love. I think that's the only real thing that I got out of this book. But even though there was only one theme, I do think that Cassandra Clare really showcased different types of love. And I think she did it well. So we have, um, true love with Will and Tess and then unrequited love. I'm not going to go into who is the example of each one because those are spoilers, but unrequited love, friendship love, sibling love, love for um, love for convenience and how it affected them, brotherly love among the married thieves, uh, the fear of love. Like she really did like use that theme as best as she possibly could. So, and that in there is a discussion. You could talk about the many examples of love in this book for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing that I had on my legs too, was that I mean, the overall arching theme is love, but it's like love through friendships, through secrets, through betrayal, you know, mm, okay. yeah. that, that is, that is definitely like the common, you know, overarching theme of the book. And she did it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what else did, oh, I really liked the whole, um, the silent brothers, and I know that those were probably discussed more in the Infernal Devices, <laughs> but I hadn't, yeah. heard of them. I hadn't heard of them until here. And I was like, ooh, ooh, you know, like just the whole idea that like they like basically willingly become blind 
willingly is like crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So that, that whole story with like gem and stuff like that, I was like, Ooh, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. I just wait till you read the infernal devices. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get a lot more gem in the infernal okay. devices. Mm-hmm. Um, very minor. Well, not minor, like, but I listened to the audiobook and I'm listening to it and I'm like, why does this person sound familiar? It's a British person. Her books are always, well, it's said in England. So obviously it's going to be a British narrator. And I'm like, why does this person sound like Judy Dench? There's no way she got Judy Dench to, you know, audio to narrate her book. It's her Judy Dench's, mm-hmm. Judy Dench's daughter. And she sounds just like her. And she voiced all the males, all the females, and she did a great job. Like, I never, ever complained about her narration. It was great. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I see. I, I, I read it, so I didn't get that. But I do love British for people when they speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was another thing that I had, just because I'm not, you know, not using any spoilers over here. Um, yeah. Do, do, do. Yeah, I mean, another thing that I have was just like, you know, I love the fact that like within these different groups of friends and brothers and sisters, but like that whole relationship there, like I was super close to my brothers growing up. And so seeing James and Lucy and seeing, you know, Thomas and his sister, you know, and um, Alistair and Cordelia and the Blackboards, like all of these like super intimate brother sister relationships were just something that was very touching to me because like that was what I grew up in was having a close-knit relationship with my brothers and so I really liked how she wrote about that closeness and that tight-knit of family um so that was that was well done okay it sounds like we're going to be in a little bit of a disagreement just from what you've already said but I liked the love triangles I didn't hate any of them. I thought that they were well done. I think Cassandra Clare does love triangles well. She does them all the time. And I don't hate it. And usually a, a love triangle is a deal breaker for me. But I, I liked all these love triangles. I did too. I'm not disagreeing with you there. Oh, okay. Like, no, I thought you I, said I, you didn't like Cordelia and James. There was a reason why. There was a reason okay. why. Like, it's very subtle. It was just something that, that stood out to me because I was like, mm. <laughs> that's okay. all I'm gonna say though without giving too much of a spoiler away but no I did like how she wrote the love triangle because I was like it's like in everyone's corner like come on oh give me you. oh no wait no maybe, maybe you. Ooh, oh no no <laughs> um so actually now we're gonna go into a little bit of love triangles talk a little bit about it but before we do that did you have any more likes um no not without being uh, super spoilery yeah okay well I kind of wanted to talk about love triangles because this is a deal breaker for me and there are not very many authors who can do it well but I do think Cassandra Clare does it well and I think there's a specific reason why it works for her um, but I think we should define what a love triangle is because people have a different definition which definitely affects how they feel about the love triangle so how do you define love triangle as a reader okay so for me um I mean, a love triangle, obviously, it's with three people, you know, and for me, it's usually, uh, from the books I've read, it's a two males and one girl, you know, and the males are best friends, and the girl pops in, or the girl's best friends with one of the guys, and then he has a friend that comes over, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
So for me, when I think of like a good love triangle, there is a relationship between all three of them that ties them together. And they are uh, working in unison towards a goal. And there's when you're working that closely with friends, there are emotions that, that come up, whether good or bad. And so the deepness of these relationships really start to kind of blossom out. So um, like, I'll just use, I'll use the, the Twilight Saga just as an example. Um, mm-hmm. So with, you know, with Edward, Bella is one person with Edward. And with Jacob, she's one person with Jacob. And it's like, when I think of a good life love triangle, I'm always rooting for the person who makes her the best that she can be in all circumstances, not just in that one person or for okay. a guy, if you want to switch it out. So for me, that's, that, that's a good, well-done love triangle. And I like when there's no hard feelings or, or hurt feelings towards each other when that when those two people finally make the commitment to each other okay if, if, if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah so like you said I define a love triangle as there's one person that is the corner of the triangle and she's liked by both people that is a love triangle I I don't I don't know how to say it but I don't like I consider, okay, so it's a deal breaker for me when the main person is playing both sides. That is considered a love triangle. What is not a love triangle is when that person has declared their love for one person and that other person, like you said, can't get over it. That's not a love triangle. That is that other person's problem. Um, That's hard for Yeah. And so one book that comes up a lot where people are like, they don't like the love triangle. And I'm always just like, oh, you're wrong. Is The Kiss of Deception. Because Leah clearly loves one of them, but the other one, she's pretending to love him because she doesn't want him to kill her. So as long as she can make him believe that she loves him back, he won't kill her. That is not a love triangle. She has clearly decided that she likes one of them. The other one, she's just playing him to survive. So that is not a love triangle to me. Um, And also along with your, um, I also did the whole Twilight thing because I think that is the the big daddy of a love triangle. genre if you will and I do think she did that well because Bella at one point she clearly chooses Edward Uh and Jacob cannot get over it that is not a love triangle of course she's going to like like them both at some point because Edward goes away and then Jacob is the filler and sometimes you can't help but to have feelings but at some point she was like no look I love him and this is it for me um so I think that Cassandra Clare does it well because she develops her characters to have their own thing going on. So um, what's her name? Cordelia has, she has a whole family and a whole life that she has before James. She's dealing with her father in jail and her relationship with her brother and her mom trying to force her on into society. And her life is not centered around James. She has other things going on in her life. She's with Lucy. She's with Anna. She's making friends. She has a good friendship with Matthew. And she's in love with James. So her, all of her thoughts, all of her feelings, everything she thinks about, it has nothing to do with James most of the time. She has other things going on in her life. And the same thing with James. So that's why I think that Cassandra Clare does a love triangle well, because she's developed the other characters on their own and then... In addition to all the other things that are going on with them, they are in love with that one person. So like the betrothed, 
that's a bad love triangle. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible because terrible. the only thing we know about Jameson is that his parents died when he was a kid and that's it. And Silas is that he comes from a tyrannical country and he has blue eyes and that's it. And Hollis's parents don't like her and she has a crappy nursemaid and that's it. Like they don't have anything else going on in their life and all, but all Hollis can focus on is those two guys. Those are her whole life and nothing else is going on in her life. That's a bad love triangle. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It is a terrible love triangle. (laughs) Um, And I think it's, I, I do I do like the fact that with um you know chain of gold like there were some innuendos in relation to uh, Will and Tess and Gems like love triangle and the fact that they like still exist well outside of what it could have been because there were a bunch of people that because I was doing a bunch of research on this you know were either rooting for you know Tessa and Jem you know or Tessa and Will like in having those two different sides just like having Edward and Jacob and you know Peter mm-hmm. and what's his name you know like all, all of those or Gail yeah. Peter and Gail um and so but I what I liked is that scene that that after the girl makes a choice, which is usually a heroine that this is happening to. Um, when she makes a choice, it's how they get on after. And it's like you can tell that their love is deep-rooted deep in other things besides just a lustful love. Like we're not just lusting over each other. Like a terrible example of a love triangle is when they're just continuously lusting over this person and it's not like they're actually in love with them. They're just in love with the idea of being in love with them. Crave. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so for me, like, it was really nice to read it because I was, um, you know, I was rooting for, for these two different guys and you're just like, I could be okay with either way that the coin, you know, ends on, you know, whether it has any tails, <laughs> who knows <laughs> without giving a spoiler. Yes. But, but yes, I, I did, she did do it well and I liked it. FYI, I am team Will, obviously. I didn't I didn't like Jem, so that's all I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. I mean I liked him as a character. I did not like him with Tessa. So Okay, yeah. Well, I'm I mean, the same what, what I read. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean if you read infernal devices, you might change a little bit, but um because Jem is not a silent brother in in, in the story, mm-hmm. um I met Cassandra Claire and the first thing like five years ago, it was a long time ago. And the first thing, because I was like gushing over, I was actually there for her Iron Trial book that she wrote with Holly Black, but I didn't like that book. So I had brought my Infernal Devices books for her to sign. And the first thing she asked was, what team are you on? And I was like, team well. (laughs) So it was definitely, uh, there's definitely a fan base, just like James and James, that's not a thing. Edward and Jacob and Gail and Peter. So that was kind of fun to pick. That's awesome. All right. Do you have anything spoiler-free you would like to talk about for Chain of Gold that you I missed? Mean, other, other than that, I'd be interested to read the second novel. I'm all in. Oh, yeah. With all these characters, I am all in. I've invested yeah. quite a bit of time. <laughs> and I'm thinking that because usually her books, even though they're told in third POV, it's usually like a focus. It. So like whoever's on the cover is whoever is going to get most of the page time. So I'm ho- it's probably going to be James, but I'm really hoping it's Matthew. She could pull a Okie. She could, you know, 
screw with us a little bit and um, make it Matthew's book because he ended on such a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited for the next book. Hopefully it's Thank about you. Matthew. Thank you. I'm all for that. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for the spoiler-free edition of Chain of Gold by Cassandra Clare. Uh, Not sure if when we're going to post our next podcast, but we will be reading and discussing House of Dragons by Jessica Clues. This is my first time reading her books. I did not read her other series. Did you read her other series? I did not, so I'm excited. Okay. Um, Anything that, yeah, anything that has to do with dragons, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Uh, So, Thank you for joining us. And if you are leaving for the spoiler edition, we'll catch you next time. If not, the spoiler edition starts in five, four, three, two, one. Dun, dun, okay. Dun. <laughs> All right. Okay. There's not really much to discuss here. It's going to be mostly about the relationships and what we think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not a bad thing, but. All right, so yeah. let's talk about Grace. What? Thank you. <laughs> is she good or bad? What do you think? I don't Ooh, know. No, that girl's got a hidden freaking agenda. She just, to me, reminded me so much of a siren who is just she luring. She is a siren. Is that, is that her thing? Yeah. Oh, well, she is a siren. good to know. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> Without yeah. Without potentially knowing. Yeah, but I was... I, at first, I was like, oh, this girl, like, she's got, you know, your standard paley, super white hair. She's drop-dead gorgeous. And whenever she opens her mouth, everyone just kind of bends the knee. Like, what do you need, madam? Anything. Anything for you. And I just did not. I was like, mm no. <laughs> um, but her whole hidden agenda with um, James it's like, how long has he been under her spell, right? With that bracelet. Oh, from the my beginning. Goodness. And because when he was a kid, because when they were at their house, Tatiana was like, can you go cut bushes or whatever? And that was when it started. Mm-hmm. So it was like 13. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's when, it's when he got it from her or, or from Tatiana. He stole the bracelet to give it back to Grace. Um, and I just, I'm like, this girl has had him literally wrapped around her finger uh, for, what, five, six, seven years? I'm trying to remember. Is it 18? 17? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 18? Yeah. Something like that. So five years. Yeah. So it was, it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, when she asked him, like, to basically marry her and he's like I can't do that because I can't leave my my friends and my family behind like that would be stupid for me to live a mundane life when all I have known is like being a shadow hunter like this is my family this is where I belong and you know Grace is not a true blackthorn like she's she's not she was adopted into Tatiana's family um so we don't know a lot of her backstory and what family line she actually came from but she may be considered a downworlder, wouldn't she? Yeah, I was going to ask you that because she's a siren. She's not a shadow hunter. So then she would be yeah, a, downworlder. a downworlder. And I don't think yeah. anybody knows that except for Matthew. Exactly. Exactly. So that that whole rigmarole of like where she basically tricks James and is like, um, I want you to marry me. And he's like, I, I can't do that. But like as much as he is infatuated with her, as much as he is like – 
willing to do anything she asked. It's like he has a moment of realization where it's like, I can't, I can't do what, what you're asking. And so she willingly takes off that bracelet from him, one that binds him to her. And he doesn't know it, of course, but then all of a sudden he's like clear to think and whatever. And then she puts it back on him. She puts it back on him. Oh, she was, so yeah, she was forced to. She was forced to. Yeah, from Bayel, Bayabel, whatever. Yeah. The demon. Or her mom or something. The Prince of Demon is, whatever, however you say his name. Um, so that made me so upset because I'm like, how many thoughts? has that bracelet like just stopped in his brain? You know what I mean? Like everything that he does is for her. Um, and she just continuously like just turns his neck into do things basically. Well, I, oh. I think, I think it kind of makes her an interesting character because when she asked him to run away with her, he clearly broke through whatever magic that bracelet had and was like, I'm not going to do it. And then she took it off of him because she was like, it's not working. And so at that point she became good, but then she put Mm -hmm. it back on and then she's like, I'm going to marry Charles now. And then at the very end, when he, when she finds out that he's only going to be married to Cordelia for a year for convenience, she's like, Oh, then I can have you back. And I think she does kind of love him. But she, she's kind of conflicted. Like she's like doing, I think she really wants her brother back too. Oh yeah. And, and she's she's doing hates her mom. Can. Yeah. And at the expense mm-hmm. of James, but she also kind of loves James. So I think she's an interesting character. I'm going to guess that she's going to do something overt to redeem herself at some point. But mm-hmm. yeah, what some, that was different. I had not read a character like that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I let's get to Matthew. Her. <laughs> yeah, so the thing I said about Matthew and my dislikes is he knows that she's a siren. And he never said to James, she is a siren. You are in love with her because she's forcing you to. And so is Charles. I'm pretty sure she put it on Charles, too. Mm-hmm. But he never tells him. And I don't know. I'm pretty sure that was by choice by Cassandra Clara because maybe it's going to come up in book two and it's going to be a source of contention between the two and they're going to have a falling out. I don't know. But I'm like, Matthew, come on. Why aren't you telling him? It just bothered me so much. Well, and especially after what she does to Matthew, okay? The fact that she even shows him that she has the power to do whatever and you can't basically tell anyone, you know? And the fact that she just, like, seduces him into kissing her and then he pulls away and he's like, that doesn't feel right. What is going on? Like, you're a terrible person. And he doesn't say anything to to James. And I'm like, dude, come on. He'll believe anything you say because you're tied to him. Hello? You know, even if he doesn't, even if he can't, like, make a good conscious decision because he has that bracelet on him, the one that binds him to Grace, um, it's still going to be rooted in because we can see from the past, even with Cordelia, that he still remembers these things and he still is able to make some sort of a decision, even with that bracelet on. So it's not entirely, like, showing that he is uh, unable to make his own decisions. Mm-hmm. It's just when he's under the influence of her. So, yeah, I I was really upset about that part. I remember I was like sitting reading and I'm like, no, 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 get <laughs> off of him. No. <laughs> oh. um, 
what did you think about, so when we first meet Cordelia um, on the scene with her and um, that, like the ball that the Herondells like host for her and her brother and her mom that when they come back to um, London and the part where James just leaves her in the middle of the dance floor. What were your thoughts? <laughs> well, he had that bracelet on, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I I mean, at the time, I was like, ooh, that was a real dick move. But then when you learn it's because of the bracelet, then you're like, oh, well. Cause, because I couldn't understand what was so great about Grace. Like, I'm yeah. like, she's thin and sickly. Nobody likes her. Her family sucks. Like, what is it about this girl? And then at one point, I think Matthew says to him, men like women who need to be rescued, which I thought was a great quote, by the way. Oh, and so I was like... Okay, so and I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe that's why he loves her because she he he's that type of guy, which I don't think that's his character, but I'll go with it. But yeah, I like how it the pacing of it where at the beginning you're like, what is his tie to this girl? And then you find out and you're like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. yep, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that was like that moment right there where Matthew steps in, I was like, good guy, Matt. Good guy, Matt. He's stepping in, you know. Like I was like, oh, so that was something that I had an issue with with the whole love triangle thing because I really liked him and Cordelia together. I really liked Matthew and Cordelia together, Um, and I think it was because Matthew is perceived as one of these people that I mean, he's constantly drunk. They have to literally put um, a healing rune on him to kind of get him out of that cycle so he's aware of what he's doing. Um, but it's like he, he's, he's not as drunk and blacked out as people think that he is. Like he's, he's one of those guys that I'm like, he is seeing what's, what's going on here with everything. And sometimes he reveals his thoughts and sometimes he doesn't. Like with Grace, he didn't say anything to James. He didn't say, say anything to... Uh, Cordelia, he said it to Lucy, I think. I don't remember. Right? Or, yeah. I don't remember. So, uh, well, I, like- I was kind of confused with Matthew because, because, and I'm pretty sure this was intentional, it seemed like he was in love with Lucy. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like we were led to believe the whole time he was in love with Lucy until the very end when he was watching them dance. And even then, I'm still like, wait, is he in love with Cordelia or, Ma- or Jake James? I can't, I'm not quite sure who he's in love with um but that's not why he's a drunk um because he was a drunk before he met cordelia because he uh, killed somebody apparently i don't know we don't know what he did um and i'm so mad that that wasn't answered in this book because they kept bringing it up it was it was constantly like just put in there a little bit every single time and i'm like okay it's gonna happen okay we're gonna find out something and the only time you hear any sort of an inkling as to what his pain actually is is when Magnus Bane like is like, ooh, this kid needs some help. He's got some, he's got some dark demons in his corner. And no yeah. one knows. Not even his best friends have, have confronted him except for Lucy. She's the only one that ever confronted Matthew and was like, um, I can tell that you're constantly drinking all the time. You should probably not do that. Like, remember when he like falls off the rope? I was cracking yeah. up because she's like, is something wrong? You can't, you can't climb a rope. You're a shadow hunter. You should be able to climb a rope anytime. He's like, it's my new shoes. <laughs> it's like, it's a bunch of BS. Like you can totally climb up a rope. 
Yeah, I was bummed that that wasn't answered. I was hoping that that would be answered. But you know what? She also did that with the infernal devices. You don't know what Will's problem is until it's his book. Because that's why I'm hoping that book two will be Matthew's book because it was a cliffhanger in the first infernal devices. And then book two, you're like, oh, okay. Well, this makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But so we are clear that he's in love with um, Cordelia. Is that what mm-hmm. we're thinking? Because I mm-hmm. can't tell. I'm not sure. Oh. And not Lucy. It's not Lucy? It's not. No, it's not Lucy. And I think, like, he wanted he wanted it to be Lucy. Um, but I think it's because, you know, and James comments on this to Lucy where he's like, you don't see that, like, Matthew's, like, super keen on you ever. Hello. You know, and she's like, mm-hmm. no, we're just, like, best friends, you know. Um, and so... I don't think it is Lucy. I really don't. I believe it is Cordelia. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I really, because at first I did think it was Lucy and I was like, mm, no, it has to be Cordelia. Well, if it's Cordelia, I, I, like, Sorry. I like the way Cassandra Clare wrote it because it wasn't obvious that he was in love with her. Um, cause I mean, at one point he walks her home and he's talking to her on the porch and he never like flirt with flirts with her or makes any kind of anything other than friendship. And then come to find out he's like watching them dance behind a pillar and it's all sad and drunk. <laughs> well, I mean, he was like that though, when they were in the whispering room, when they went to, um, that, oh, yeah. that bar, you know, his, his face was like that's not what I wanted to walk into you know Mm -hmm. the thing and it's like someone who has an emotional connection to that other person in the room like they're they're going to be distraught like that where they're like "Ooh, that's I was really hoping she would like me you know because (laughs) James is in love with Grace but is it really love no it's the power of you know being compelled to love him or to love her. Ooh. Well, maybe that's why he didn't tell James because he wants him to go with Grace so he can have Cordelia. Oh, no, that's underhanded. Let's hope not. That's bad. Mm-mm. Don't do that, Matthew. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was another thing I wanted to discuss. What? Um, the whole Jesse uh, Blackthorn, like the fact that Tatiana, you know, basically defied the laws of you know them as being you know the nephilim or whatever like she's not supposed to do dark magic which is like resurrecting someone from the dead type of a thing and she was trying to um save basically just this this whole entire time everything that she's done is to be able to get her son back and it's like when someone dies you can't bring them back it's like it's the law against nature like they're not supposed to be brought back from the dead So my thing was I wanted to know what was inside of her home, like all of the hidden like grimoires and whatever she had, because she kept that home in such a disarray. (laughs) It was disgusting, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'm like, what is she hiding in here? And how are they even like, how are they not getting sick? (laughs) All the disgusting stuff that was in their home. Um, But um, Wiki kind of spoiled it for me in the sense that um, you learn like later on that um, Jess and Lucy get together. But there's well, thanks a lot. 
Yeah. They, they, they spoiled it. You didn't know that on the thing? I'm very careful with the wiki. Oh, <laughs> I will not say anything. It's too late. Oh, man. <laughs> and, okay, so you don't know this, but at the in the last book of the Infernal Devices, there's an epilogue. And you know that Tess is um, immortal, Tessa, and Will ages. And and he dies at the end of the book because he he dies of old age and he has he's surrounded by his family, and I did not want to go back and read the epilogue because I didn't want to know who James and Lucy were with, and then you just told me. Oh, no, I am so sorry. <laughs> okay, because technically I already read it. I just forgot. Well, now I can go. No, 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 no. I'm not going to go back and read the epilogue because. I don't know who James ended up with. I don't know. He ended up with Cordelia. Maybe Matthew ended up with Cordelia. I'm not going to read the epilogue. I'm not. No. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Okay. I know. Just no, know. Someone, yeah, no. Just know. I'm if done. you do read the Infernal Devices before the next book comes out, don't read the epilogue of book don't three. Don't read the epilogue. <gasps> oh, but why would she do that, though? Because she wrote it already. She wrote it first. I mean, you're already kind of supposed to know. Technically, I'm supposed to know. I just forgot. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. <laughs> that whole thing. Ugh. Um, what do you think about the fact that, like, um, how Lucy can see, like, like the dead? Okay, like she can see a certain ghosts and command them. Can you talk about that? Well, because Tessa's father is a demon, or a, he's a what is he? A, Tessa's what is grandfather he? is a prince of hell. Prince of hell. He's, so he's, I feel yeah. like their powers are just like fantastic <laughs> because they okay. have that blood in them. I don't. I didn't really okay. think too much of it. Obviously, you know, being able to raise the dead is always one of the most powerful things you can have mm-hmm. because that just gives you an infinite number of army members. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any, I just know that, well, I was going to ask you, do you think Jesse really dies? Because he technically gave James his last breath, but you just answered my question. Jesse doesn't die and he comes back and they live happily ever after. Well, that's just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but I see, I don't know how it happens though, because Jesse is still, um, I mean, he's still able to communicate with her. The fact that he had such a lifelike um, feel to him, right? Because she could actually, like, feel his chest and feel his hand, like, and all that stuff like that. I'm like, okay, so obviously he's not dead. Because when I think of a ghost, like, I think of, like, Harry Potter, you know, like, like at Hogwarts when we have, you know, Peeves and all of them. And I'm just like, well, you just go straight through them. You know, they don't have any sort of um, solidarity to them. And so the fact that, like, you know, when he gives James his last breath, I think that he knows more about holding him there than he's letting on. I don't know what, I don't know how, but that's just a theory of mine because I'm like, well, obviously, like, he doesn't just go away. He's still able to speak to Lucy after. So it's just interesting to me because I'm like, Mm -hmm. well... Yeah, I don't know of a ghost that just like gives up their last breath and then they're still able to be there. Like I thought that he would have been gone forever after that. 
Well, somebody must have done some kind of magic on him. I know that he was straddling two worlds. And so that's why she could see him for some specific reason. I honestly can't remember why. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, you know, the mom did some kind of black magic. And so I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I don't know. I didn't even really think about it. I don't know. Okay. It's just another power that a really good power that Lucy has. I don't think too many people know about. Yeah, well, and then the the ghosts that um, help save Cordelia from the, like, like basically drowning to death, like, mm-hmm. and how they're just, like, coming out, and she, like, thanks them, and they were like, okay, sure, and then Jess is there, too, and it's like, was she just calling on all the dead to just come and help? Interesting, and yeah. they don't really give, like, a, a like, Cassandra doesn't really give us a whole lot of that. I'm really wanting to read more about that because that's some badass power right there. You can call upon yeah. the dead to come and help you. You know. Yeah. So yeah, that comes back in a that that's in a lot of books, and it usually is to the benefit of that person <laughs> to win the war. Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. So, I mean. I'm really interested to see like who ends up with who because obviously this particular family tree is so complex and everyone is either a cousin or a blood relative or something of each other. Yeah. Speaking of, okay. So what did you think about at the very end when they're at their engagement party and Alistair comes up and Matthew tells Thomas all the rumors that Alistair was spreading about them and how Matthew was a bastard son of Charlotte and Thomas's father. And Thomas was a bastard because his mom was really, wasn't really Cecily um, Herondale. She's really some mundane. Like, do you think, like, why would, why would Cassandra Clare drop that in there if that's not going to come back? What the hell was that? I know. Well, then now it was part of my thing where I was like, um, did I miss something? You know? I know. And it's like, but I don't, but I don't want to. Um, look into much of the family tree because obviously it's going to spoil crap. It's going to spoil crap. And I like, I haven't read it, so I don't want to like spoil it. But I was like, oh no, because Alistair, okay, like as much as Alistair is a, he's an, he's a misunderstood character and I get it. I really do. He's not like, you know, the, the Herondells or the Fairchilds type of a thing. He's kind of like the, the other okay family that's been known for, you know, ever. But it's like, you know, he's not the most popular character, so he has to make a choice whether to be bullied or to bully, you know. And so he puts on this facade as to be this bad guy, and it's like at the end, he was the one of the characters that I was like, oh, he's had, like, immense growth. For him to be able to stand up and, like, discuss that with people, I just envisioned him before, you know, snapping and just shutting people down. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as much as I'm, like, you know, his claims on Tom, Thomas, right? Thomas's uh, parenthood. I'm like, um, is that true? I'm scared to look because I don't want to spoil anything. Well, I looked into it because I wanted to know if it was true. And I didn't see any, like I looked into Tom, yeah, Thomas's father. And all it does is says that he's married to Herondale. So, and it doesn't mention that some maid or that his father had a dalliance with some mundane maid. So, I don't know. And, you know, the wiki is like Wikipedia. People update it. So maybe they just didn't update that family tree. I don't know. But she wouldn't bring it up if it wasn't something. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Which is why I'm kind of like, ooh, you know, because <laughs> then you can talk about, you know, grace for that example. Grace just somehow being entered, you know, or not entered, but the fact that she was adopted into the Blackthorn fam- family, where it's like, um, what happened to your parents? You know, because you're not and also, a Blackthorn. Yeah, also Ariadne is Ari, Ariadne is Indian and mm-hmm. she was adopted. So that's another character. I think she's going to come back because her and Anna are clearly going to be. Anna's the character who doesn't believe in love. Um, she's been scorned. So yeah, yeah. I want more of Anna. I liked her a lot. Um, I, I need her to be more in the books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like, I really liked her. Yeah, she's like really she's like, kind of like Matthew, just like looking around and like paying attention. Is like, ooh, mm-hmm. what's going on over there? Ooh, like Magnus was like you said, Magnus was like paying attention to everybody's business. So. Oh, he was cracking me up. Oh my gosh. Because like, I like know Magnus name from like the mortal instruments. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this little guy over here just got an eyeball for everything. He just got, yeah. mm, he's I in need, all the books. Yeah. He's like, I need to, I need to hang out in this, in London a little bit longer. Just, just to keep an eye on things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I want to know what this bracelet Okay, because I keep going back to that. But I want to know what this bracelet is constructed from. You know, like, because she says it's, Grace claims that it was her mother's bracelet. And I'm over here like, was it your real mother's? Or is it actually Tatiana's bracelet? And you just wove this story into that Tatiana stole your mother's bracelet and won't give it back to you. But technically, it's Tatiana's bracelet. That's what I think happened. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? That, that That's one know. of my theories. One of my theories is that it wasn't really her mother's bracelet, that it was actually Tatiana's, and she just wove the story into making her mother into a terrible person for sympathy, right? So she mm-hmm. could get what she wanted from, from James. Because even when she's been um, infected with the, the demon poison or whatever, um, Grace doesn't want her to die, which I found was very interesting because I'm like, well, if you want to be rid of your mom so bad, you wouldn't care what happened to her. Yeah, that's why she's an interesting character because she doesn't, she goes back and forth and I don't know, is she a good one or a bad one? I don't, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know either. And that's why I was like, hmm. Interesting things are happening. Can can we talk about the scene in the whispering room? Because that was a sex A. I was like, what? I was all <laughs> was for that. Weird. I know. I was I like, was, wow, okay. I was all cool. for it. Like, I'm like, finally, we have a nice sexy scene. Finally. <laughs> Done well. Mm-hmm. I mean, homegirl like, kicked her shoes off and everything. I was like, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> he removes her sword from her and puts it up against the wall and I'm thinking to myself okay you you were wanting to get her so bad so bad you wouldn't have removed things from her to make this more comfortable if you're just acting like you know you're making out or whatever like I just kept referring mm-hmm. to like Adian and Isandra like in my brain when they're like trying to 
distract people from seeing that they're actually spying, you know, because they were just having an, yeah. an, a conversation close to each other. And it's yeah. over here, like, James was like, mm, I ain't just having a conversation with you. I'm getting my lips on you, whether you like it or not. So, yeah, that was great. I think that I, I kind of understand the misunderstanding because he keeps telling her that he doesn't love her and she asked him to find her a, a husband. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, no one's going to put themselves out there just to be rejected. So I kind of understand the miscommunication aspect. I'm really excited to see their year of marriage and what's going to come of that because he clearly can break through that bracelet magic somehow. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited. And then Matthew is going to be in the mix of that too. And it's going to be like, he's going to be in love with Cordelia and yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm yeah, I'm excited, excited about that. that. Yeah, I want to know because I'm like, as they had that, um, you know, the marriage happen because Will, or not not Will, excuse me, James, was like, oh, no, you can't sully yourself. Like, I know where you were, and you were not together with me in my bedroom, you know? Um, and the fact that he just stands up for her, I was like, mm, so he can break through that bracelet. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't. I don't know if, like, Grace has to, like, give him an actual, like, direction or a plan to execute, that that's how he's, like, so murky in his thoughts because he constantly thinks about Cordelia. Constantly. Like, um, even when he's in the shadow realm and he sees her, her sword, hello, like, she's Mm -hmm. always there. When he was sick, like, she's the only voice that he remembers – and it's like, um, you know, so. I don't yeah. know. I don't know the full power of that bracelet. It's interesting, I but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I also think cute. that. You're good. Go ahead. Okay. I also think that he has some kind of connection to that sword, too. There's something with him and that sword and her. I don't I don't think it was resolved, though, but okay. something's going on with that. I don't know if his power is connected to that sword. I don't, I don't, I don't really have a theory, but it's something okay. there. Okay. I was just curious if you had any more theories. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, that's, that, that's all I have, unless there's anything yeah. else that you want to. I just only had one left. One, I don't want it's not a dissection, but I just had one last thing that like really kind of like hit me, hit me where it hurt. Is, I believe it is the very last sentence before the epilogue where Cordelia is like, for a year, she would lie close to the fire and know what it's like to burn. I was like, oh my God, that is so so sad and beautiful. I, I, I love that. <laughs> I was like, I feel so bad for her because she's such a good person and they clearly love each other. But then we have this grace girl. And I was just like, oh God. So I really did like that very much. I did too. I was just, my heart was just bleeding all over the place as I was reading that. I'm like, she finally gets to love him how she wants to love him for one year. And it's like, how, how much is it going to hurt? Is it going to be true? You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because it's like, even though, like I talked about that fake marriage trope, like in the beginning and like, you know, how you, at least for me, I personally want it to be two characters that are completely disgusted with each other that are forced to be married. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's true. Like, that. that's I what mean. we look for. And so I'm like, when they they had this fake marriage, I'm like, 
oh, am I going to like this? Like, or am I going to be like, oh, I saw that, you know, like I'm just, I think it's probably because like I've been doing a lot more like critical reads. Like as I'm like reading a book, I'm not just reading it. Like I'm really like trying to dissect it. And so I'm like, I really hope that it doesn't spoil it for me. But as I was like finishing up into right before the epilogue, I was like, oh, please, please love her. <laughs> you know? like, but then you throw, girl. Yeah, but then she's throwing in that Matthew thing. That's just going to make more, which I'm all for. I'm all for it. But yeah, I think there's going to be a couple more whispering room moments and they're going to be like, Ooh, yes. what was that? You know? Mm-hmm. let's not talk know. about that or that was a yeah. mistake or I was just in the heat of the moment okay yeah no that was not no heat of the moment that was I'm taking full advantage and going for it <laughs> you know but it's like I feel like Matthew sees when Cordelia is hurting so I'd be curious to see if there is going to be a moment between them that's a little uh uh you know more than PG-13 if you will yeah I definitely think that she's going, he's going to be her confidant and he's going to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And because James has not said out loud that he loves Cordelia, Matthew can fully do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. He doesn't Mm -hmm. have to respect James's like love because it's according to as long as as, as much as Matthew knows, he doesn't really love her. So it's just convenient. And so that's more conflict right there. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for book two. I'm ready. I'm ready too. And I'm like, oh man, we're gonna have to wait. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I'm just not excited about waiting. <laughs> but yeah. it's gonna be okay. Yeah. But I am excited to read our next book, which is gonna be House of Dagons. By yes. Jessica Clu- Cluis, right? She wrote Cluis. the torch the, uh, burning. Torch burning, shadow Torch bright and burning, burning. Sh- shadow bright and burning. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I cracked myself up. But yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our spoiler. I guess it was longer than I thought it was going to be. That was our spoiler edition of uh, Chain of Gold. Thank you for joining us. Not sure, like we both go back to work. So uh, Friday is not the best time for both of us to podcast anymore. So our schedule might change a little bit, but it won't be too much longer. It might be every two weeks that we do a podcast and I might podcast on my own because I read other books outside of our buddy reads and Ashley could possibly do that too. So, but thank you for joining us and we will catch you in the next podcast. Bye-bye.